Hello, everyone. Look at you. Look how beautiful you guys look. What time is it there? Four in the morning? Nah, I nine in the morning. Oh, well, that's very, that's genteel. So, Todd, I don't know if you've met uh, Josh before. Hey, Josh, how are you? No, I haven't, I don't think. Yeah. But, yeah, but, you have. You met, me in, you met me in New Zealand in Tauranga, and when you were doing a book signing, oh. I said, I said, oh, this is for a colleague, Vicky, and you wrote on it, to be read in the toilet only, and he still has it as his favourite book. That that would be totally me. That absolutely would be me. <laughs> everybody, welcome to the Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast. I'm Todd Conklin. In case we haven't met, good to meet you. What a pleasure. The pleasure is mine. Thanks for listening. It's always fun to hang out with you. And I think you'll find this podcast meets that test. If the test is funness, because there's a gang of people on this podcast, uh, a gang of amazing people, I should have said, on this podcast, so we got plenty to talk about, that's for sure. I mean, tons to talk about, indeed. How's everything going with you? Checking in to make sure everything's fine. I did a trip to Atlanta. Really fun. Got to see a bunch of friends. That was great. Jeff, Don, the whole gang. Uh, and came back. Weirdest thing, you guys. Freak, completely freaked me out. Every plane was on time. Nothing canceled. Yeah, it was weird. I didn't even know what to do hardly. I was it kind of, it kind of made me go crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And then I got a big trip. Um, and I really am trying not to travel. I think I've told you this. Uh, big trip to South America, but that's always kind of fun. I mean, I'll have a good time there. So that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. I don't know what you got on your docket, on your agenda, but everything's good. School started here. I noticed that when I went to the post office in the bank. Uh, you know, I try to do that every day. It gets me out, and uh, it's exciting. And things are pretty good. The weather's, you know, hot, but I'm not complaining because a lot of people are hotter. And, uh, you know, I'm just I'm following all the news. My goodness, my heart just breaks for the people in Maui. That's remarkable. And I'm looking at fires burning, at least in North America. Uh, they're quite prevalent, but it's dry, hot, and windy. And uh, those are the things that make for an interesting and very predominant fire season. So that's definitely a part of uh, what's going on. Other than that, uh, you know, just hanging out, having a good time. How about you? What's you up to? Anything good? Any big plans? Anything exciting on the agenda? I hope so. I do think it's important to do fun stuff. I want that on the record. So, you know, if, if they say no matter what, People say, you know, and they say lots, but no matter what they say, I hope they say, well, you know, one thing Todd always said is it's important to do fun stuff. That would be kind of be, that'd be a good thing to be known for. Maybe I'm going to go for that. Hey, this, I can't think I made a new plan. That is what I'm going to do. That's, that's my new plan. I got my new plan all worked out and ready for action. So let's talk about today's pod because uh, there's lots of information and kind of a big conversation to have, and I can't even wait to have it with you guys. So there's four folk on the podcast today. It's uh, our buddy Jeff Lith. You remember him. Josh Bryant, who's someone new I got to meet. That was exciting. Brent Sutton and Brent Robertson. And uh, that is a good group of people. 
So I think I said it's Robinson. Did I say Robertson? It's Robinson. I even know the difference. I caught myself, but that's that's who's on the pod. And the reason they're on the pod is they actually this year, and I think this is a pretty interesting idea, came up with a new book on the four Ds. Dumb, dangerous, difficult, and different. So I've been talking about the three Ds for a million years, and Ivan has been talking about them for four million years. I never, ever imagined there was enough content there to make a book. I Seriously, I mean, dumb, dangerous, different, and then difficult. It's a good fourth edition, right? That's pretty much it. And we used them diligently to help workers identify weak signal indicators. And it really was a good way to identify work that was happening. So kind of wondering what's going on now. Studying normal work, right? Classic Eric Hallnagel thing to do. I didn't realize, and this is my bad, I'll just accept right up front that it was my bad. I didn't realize there was so much to this, and there's a lot to this. And what's crazy is that this book is pretty stinking good. I mean, I, I think you'll find it to be very effective. It's kind of like a, uh, a how-to guide. In fact, it's, it's, it calls itself a how-to guide, but it's really applied. It's really practical, and it really talks about the power that exists in really learning from an organization in normal operations. And it uses then the dumb, dangerous, difficult, and different frame as a great way to have that conversation throughout the entire book. But I was super curious for two reasons. One, how'd you get a book out of this? And what were you thinking when you wrote it? And then secondly, what's it like to write a book with four people? I mean, that's, 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 you're dangerously close to a committee almost. And so I thought, well, I'll talk to these guys. I mean, I, I figured let's bring them on the pod because it's, it's kind of perfect for the podcast. And so I really tried to, to dig into their psyche about what they were thinking and what's going on. And of course we ended up talking about a bunch of contemporary stuff because it's really fun to talk to those guys. And when you have a global audience like that and you're talking about safety as a phenomena worldwide, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty exciting. It's kind of cool, actually, because you could really dig into what the rest of the world is thinking. And that is, I, I don't know how to say it other than it's helpful. And what's interesting to me, I don't know if you've thought about this much, is just how much traction these ideas have now and how it's diffused globally really quite effectively. And the, the central messages pretty much stay the same. And people, people know they're, it's exciting. I mean, they know what they're talking about. You know what you're talking about. I mean, so that's the conversation. I think you're going to find it super fun and super interesting, but you probably ought to hear it to actually figure that out. So without much more ado, and I could do a long time here, but it doesn't seem like it's worth it. Let's get into this conversation. Thanks for listening to the Pre-Accident Podcast. Tell your friends more is better. Anything we could do, take it, run with it, steal all the ideas, take everything. It's all there for you. But mostly, thanks for being part of the community. I think it's, uh, it's a great opportunity that we have, you and I, to talk a couple times a week. And so that's what we'll do. So without any further ado, here's two Brents, a Jeff, a Josh, and a Todd talking about really the four Ds. Well, tell me about, first of all, tell me about this book. Are you excited? Is it just flying off the shelves? 
Only Brent will know. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, uh, look the, the response has been overwhelming, which has been really interesting. And the feedback we're getting from people um, is they love the fact that it's about a how-to guide. Yeah, very practical-based. Yeah. How which really was the objective, but it was like herding cats, wasn't it, Jeff? Bit a bit. You're a cat herder for sure. The, you know what I what I like about it is is the sort of organic feedback that it's generating, and that people are finding it approachable and practical. And so there, uh, other folks are are speaking highly of it, and it doesn't put us in a position to have to be pumping it up and fluffing it out there all the time. And other people are really responding to it well. I think that's that's what I'm the most proud of. I think. Yeah, that's a plus. So why do you think why do you think that's the case? Uh, Approach. I don't know. What do you think, guys? I think it's just approachability and practicality, really. Yeah, people yeah, still get get yeah. the um, connection between Hop and the four Ds is what you know. What the feedback I'm getting, you know, uh, Josh spoke to a, one of the guys I've been working with, and you know, he he had a really interesting conversation with him this week, and he just he, he rang me up last week and goes, you know, that Hop and four Ds thing you keep talking about. He goes, we really need to think about that. You know, so I think for the first time, people are, you know, here's a guy that wouldn't have thought was going to go down that path, but he did. You know, so that's what I like about it, that people that maybe weren't going to approach it originally are approaching it now. You know, and I might, I might add to that, you know, hearing you say that, Robbo, and think that, do you know this sort of discussion we've been having over the years that says if you're, if you're caring and curious, the caring and curious, the, the questions will come to you. And where, where some people on the on the journey are looking for a script of, of how to initiate a conversation, they want specific points and other people are, are, are fine to just run with the principles and run organically into a conversation. I think that maybe one of the reasons that it's resonating is that as a thinking frame, it kind of occupies the middle space. It's more than just telling people to go in with just care and be curious and it'll all work out. It's less than scripting specific questions, but it provides this sort of four-point thinking frame that sort of, I think, sits nicely in the middle between pure, entirely organic or entirely scripted. It just, it's, it continues to blow my mind uh, the different ways that thinking frame gets used and what it unpacks. It just unpacks a ton of good stuff, like virtually every time. Well, and I think of it more as kind of a launching pad that it allows people who are kind of just dipping their toe into this new kind of operational learning, uh, uh, kind of a foundation upon which they can start. I'm pretty convinced that once they get into it, they'll move above and beyond any book any of us could write. I mean, you know, with real life experience and practice and success stories. But I, I understand the importance of having a place to start. And the confidence to unify the vocabulary. I mean, you can have, are you seeing like lots of book clubs read it or, or companies buying lots of copies, that kind of thing? Yes, absolutely. That, that's the surprising part because you, you can see the chunks of orders coming through on a day and how it suddenly spikes up. Um, but what's even more interesting, Todd, is the organizations who are reaching back out and saying, we tried it. This is what we found. We would never have found that any other way. Yeah. <clears throat> and I t- Todd, I think the big thing there is that the four Ds discussion, the dumb, difficult, different and dangerous, um, doesn't need to be facilitated and you don't need to be trained in it. 
Um, it's just simple language. I could go to any site and talk to any worker and say, tell me about all the dumb stuff that we make you do. Tell us about, you know, where things get difficult. Um, so it's, it's really easily transferable. doesn't matter the industry. Yeah. And that's a, that's really comfortable. And, and it, it really is a good introduction to that idea. I mean, that's a, that's a great thing to do. Why'd you guys do it? I mean, just a lack of stuff to do. Were you just bored sitting around the four of you? Somebody had a pen. Um, yeah. Somebody had a pen. I got paper. My dad's got a barn. Let's put on a show. I think for, I think for me, Todd, a lot of people were saying to us, we're hearing lots about the why and the when, we're not hearing much about the how component. Yeah. And and I know that we're, there's always that reluctance about trying to um, productize or, or create tools, things like that. But what was interesting is that what it's changed is how organizations see the front line, that they see workers more they see it more than just engagement now they're actually seeing the value that the workers can bring to to not only understand workers imagine black line blue line but what it's actually driving is operational improvement because organizations are actually seeing huge amount of waste and they're actually seeing that some of that waste is actually frustrating people so i've been completely surprised at how much it's being used in the psychosocial risk space at the moment. Where the four Ds are showing that rub and that friction in the system. And because people at the moment don't have a lot of resilience in that sort of mental health space, those rubs are becoming very apparent very quickly. And because the four Ds doesn't focus on behaviours, because it's focusing on conditions, right? Those conditions become visible quickly, and it's meant that organisations can start to change work design, which I think is the big thing you found, Josh. Yeah, the power of work design. Yeah, absolutely. It's just really understanding, you know, what needs to change in the environment conditions rather than uh, this always this focus on people and trying to change the people. Like the four Ds has just opened up all these signals um, with like these weak, I, I guess for us, um, it's really opened up to let us know what's happening when nothing bad is happening. It is a genuine conversation about, okay, tell us about the conditions of work that are changing. Tell us when things get, you know, when you're using a control, does it actually make the work any more difficult? Does it make it, you know, is it actually quite dangerous to use these controls? So it's um, it's changed the ways that we're having conversations with our workers and we're showing meaningful things because we're actually acting on their feedback as well. You can't just take on their feedback. You need to act on it. Going back to your question about why write the book, um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of academic type uh, works out there. We tried to make it as practical as possible, led by, you know, Jeff and Brent really... Um, going through the the how and the why and where it came through, and then using lots of practical stories, um, so you're not just confused and like discombobulated and you know all mixed up. It's a you can actually live it and read these stories in the book and go, oh, I could apply that in my workplace. That makes sense to me. Which is really smart. I, I love, I really love the angle, the approach you're taking. That it's it it helps the organization get away from behavior and towards conditions. That's 
that's powerful stuff. I mean, that's really meaningful stuff. How does this lie next to the new employment restrictions, well, not restrictions, complexities that exist now? I mean, one of the things that you can't, you, you just cannot go into the field and not hear organizations talk about the fact that it's difficult to recruit people. Nobody wants to work shift work. Um, uh, about 50% of employees leave the first day after induction. I mean, it's it, and it's kind of a global phenomenon. It's the pandemic has changed the way people identify with work aggressively, and so that means companies have to change the way they manage and design work. And this is a probably a pretty good place to start. That would you agree? Disagree? What do you guys think about that? I, I agree because what it's and I think Josh and I have approached it differently, but. We've got it coming organically from the guys in the field, you know. So they have a little sticker on their hard hat, and they they'll let us know. And we've got some um, some Irish guys that are working for us on some of our job sites, and you know, base Anglo-Saxon is where they start with. And so, you know, we have, we have to strip some of that information out, but it makes it really interesting. And what it's got for me is it it just is we're, we're actually engaging with them now because they're taking the time to stop and say, "Hey, mate, this is really why are you getting us to do this." You know, um, and it's flowing into the business now, into the organization. And what I love about it is it's not just, it starts with safety, but it's actually grown to be, you know, if we just put this screw here instead of there, our guys wouldn't have to lean over the edge of the building and get a nosebleed every every half an hour. And that's what I love. We would never have got that by going up there, hey, what's it like working for us? What, you know? What's going right? What's going? That would never have happened. What this is is reform, and it's coming back to us. And what you know, what it says to me, and I don't want to measure this, but it says to me they're engaged with us. And these are subcontractors. They don't even they don't even work for us full time. They're subcontractors that come onto our sites and off our sites, um, in the construction space. And it's sort of blown me away that we're getting that type of stuff coming back in. And that's what I love about it, you know. So I think if they feel that we are taking on board what they're telling us, we're building a much better relationship with some of those guys and girls that got on those sides. So I think that's the that's what's what I was going to say in answer to your question, Todd. Was you know we have to understand that we have to understand these this messiness and these these difficulties we're having in the modern world, and not just you know not just want to fix them, but we need to understand them and respond to them. Um, so I think that that learning and understanding is is the best we're going to do faced with that, right? This but it expands your audience beyond safety professionals, right? Because oh, yeah. you're really talking not about – I mean, of course you're talking about safety. That's what we talk about. That's our deal, right? But what you're really talking about is work design and yeah. systems design and that's efficiency, that's effectiveness, that's retention, that's engagement. I mean, I would suggest there are probably five or six value sets that are equal to safety in importance, which is probably not going to make me terribly popular. Um, but, but I mean, you know, if you don't have production, you don't really need safety. We, we, could, we could build that argument too. But And I think if you look at this as a way to actually – re-understand and, and, and really redesign work, this could be a pretty interesting little conversation at a bigger level. I think one of the things we got out of it recently, and this sort of by way of example, was that we had a head contractor that said, we want you to work five days a week and the Saturday, right? 
and our subcontractors pushed back and said, you know what, we'll do um, five 10-hour days and not work the Saturday, right? Because they, they're looking for a work-life balance, right? Yeah. If they were, if the union would let them, they'd do four 12-hour days and have a, a, they'd, like the, they'd like the Friday off, wouldn't we all? But, but back to your original point, Todd, I think that's some of the stuff we're getting back from it, and that's been really interesting to watch. I've never had a con. I've never had a, a discussion with a subcontractor or a head contractor where we're discussing hours of work ever. Yeah. It was never, we never saw right. Yeah, I completely because, agree, and, and I think I actually think this angle. Well, I guess it's not an angle. Uh, you're addressing a need. There's clearly a need. If we did a needs analysis, there's a huge need. This is a huge deal. Is it helps them really begin the conversation with the right people, engaging the right people in the right conversation, really about about the way work is managed in a post-pandemic environment. It's just a, it's a, it's a different place to be. And it's yeah. not yeah. – I don't know if it's bad or – I mean, I, I don't want to sit in judgment of what the future looks worse. I, you know, that makes us sound like old man. Back in our day, things were way better. But I, I, uh, I actually, I actually think this is a problem that exists, and it's not going to go away. It, we're 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 going to have conversations about not working Saturdays. We're going to have conversations about the way people identify with the workplace. And I, I think this is, believe it or not, I think the four Ds along with the this operational learning is a is a really key, almost cornerstone to this discussion because the best people to answer this question is not the leadership team because if we count on the leadership team we're going to get more of the same just harder you know i I want everybody in the office now yeah i've been working with a couple of ceos recently and they've been quite vulnerable with me which is really great and one of them has actually got on record from our maritime project where he's basically said that that now he sees safety as the capacity for change. Yeah, isn't that great? And, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, and, and he made that up. I, I didn't give it to him. That's what he came up with. Well, you're stealing it, of and, course, aren't you? I mean, you're going to... Oh, 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 it's going to be a hat and a T-shirt. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, <laughs> oh, no, here we go. And, no. um, but what he, what he was saying to me was that organizations didn't know how to listen. They were really good at telling, but they didn't know how to listen. And listening as a leader was one of the hardest things they had to try and overcome. Because as leaders, they were always told that once you know something, you must fix it. Right. And what he took from this piece of work with the front line was that it's about listen, learn, then lead. Nice. And he goes, I'll go out into the field now, and people will come up to me and say, can I share a story with you? Yeah. And he says, and I don't know these people, but they just they just open to want to engage and tell a story, and no one, no one is asking me, and can you please fix this problem? That's so, Todd, we're, fi- we're finding this, the 4Ds conversation is so much less transactional. You don't have to go out in the field and say, oh, yeah, I really like your housekeeping. Oh, let's talk about the task, etc. I think you could do better. It's a genuine, open, 
tell me about your work, tell me about your conditions. The four Ds is just, it's just so powerful. Um, and the frontline warm to it and it's just easy for leaders to use. And it, it amplifies weak signals. It, you learn yeah. before consequence. It's, it's perfect. So what's next for you guys? I mean, what do you think? You got more books in you? I think we just retire after this. This is it. So this is this is the top. You're at the apex <laughs> of it, this is the zenith. <laughs> I um, wondered what it would look like. Now I've seen it. This is it. Oh God! If, that, if this is the zenith, she was. That's like a Thelma and Louise movie. Um, <laughs> uh, We're going to go off no, the zenith. I, yeah. Now there's there's two more in the there's two more at the moment. Um, pod that we're working on. One one is around uh, our storyboard concept, uh-huh. which is how to share learning. Uh-huh. And I haven't told the guys, but I, I was in uh, Wellington uh, uh, two days ago, one of the big government agencies, and they said, we've heard about this thing called a storyboard. You know, we want to do it. Our people are tired of getting safety alerts, of, you know, having stuff put up on the notice board about what went wrong. And we really want to move to a storytelling process for learning about things that haven't gone right. So so for us, we're really focusing on how to create that storytelling process and format so that um, learning can be shared. And, of course, Jeff come up with a classic one that learning should be shared called the three L's, locally, lateral, and level up. And that's been really compelling for organisations because a lot of cases, if they share something, they don't know where it goes. Right. Right. And then the second book that I'm working, and you haven't a chance, but you will get to meet my colleague Diane, is digging deeper into the psychosocial risks because we're just staggered at how the four Ds are sitting so well and we've we've got the evidence that's showing how having those conversations can are actually sort of giving people some of that resilience back that they lost from COVID because my, my view is as you agree Todd Systems were brittle before COVID. Yeah. And humans were adapting and making up for the brittleness. COVID has ripped that resilience out of us. And now it's just made the system more transparent how brittle it actually is. And the concern I've got is that leaders' response to now seeing how brittle the system is, is to double down on what they've done before. Right. Rather than actually saying, let's shift the paradigm. Which it's what they know, right? It's the same thing you brought up earlier, that leaders make decisions based upon the answers they believe they already have. So, you know, the enemy of learning is always knowing. And so realizing you don't know makes it way easier to learn. That's exactly what's going on with the double down is that, we're losing our resilience. We're losing our traction. Um, we're losing market share. We can't get employees. I mean, there's a lot of things going on right now. And so we're going to double down and do the same things we did harder. And, and that's what you're seeing. And, and to a great extent, it's either super depressing or an incredible opportunity. Yeah. I would agree with Brent. We, we debuted that discussion at uh, the community conference 
the other month where we talked about the <clears throat> sort of the takeaway from one of these 4D kind of inquiries and, and mapping that against that psychosocial risk piece and the, the 45003 standard and people were blown away. Um, it was just a little sort of introductory discussion about that, but it was really impactful. And I think that, uh, you know, we'll apply it in, in the, these hop-like ways as we have been, as they're intended for. But this other, this other thing now that they're unpacking, I, I, learning about people's experience of work and plotting that directly against psychosocial risk factors, I think is a huge next, uh, next piece to come of this. But, you know, talking about, you were asking about uh, next books and things like that, but, uh, and, you know, Brent's got some, had some answers. I think we talked about something before this book or early in the process of, of making this one that things are starting to move quite quickly now. And there's so many people in this space experimenting and learning and, and doing things. I think that we need to start issuing these things almost yearly as, as annuals of practice. And that every year we could do something like this and, and how these practical uh, tactics and tools evolve and, and get used. I think it's almost a, a yearly update of. So are you are field. you thinking kind of a safety differently edited journal, edited by Jeffrey Lith? Yes, great <laughs> idea. Yeah. That's it's a great terrific that we're in a in such a practice. I mean, this year is just incredible, right? And, yeah. And despite those challenges, so many challenges as you point out, but. Uh, based on those, these last few years of, of, of thinking and reading and writing and working, um, I think we're in a good position. Like, I think those that are willing and, and have their eyes open, um, I think they can navigate this with some of these new, some of this new things. What'd you think? I told you that was kind of a fun conversation because those guys are, are pretty fun. Actually, they're, uh. Yeah, there's nobody lacking for a sense of humor, and they're kind of snarky in that cool, good use of the word snarky. But I also think the product they came up with is great. I mean, it's really a good book, and it is called The Four Ds, Dumb, Dangerous, Difficult, and differ Different. Yeah, that's it. The Four Ds for Learning Human Performance and Learning Teams. So pick it up if you get a chance. I think you'll like it. It's 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 a worthwhile read, and it's um, it's pretty interesting. That's the pod for today. Thank you for your time. Learn something new every single day. Bet you did today. Today was kind of a fun day. That was a fun conversation. Um, be good to each other. Have fun. Check in on one another. Um, and for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe. Be safe.